to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board, so God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we're still <laughs> we're still living through this hell uh, in Afghanistan, here uh, abroad, and uh, here domestically with our uh, infiltrator-in-chief. Uh, the Biden administration that seemingly hates America. And it's been a bad week for them. I mean, they're they're sinking in the polls, but frankly, those polls were never right to begin with. I mean, how can sixty percent of America how could you how could you have a sixty percent approval rating for reading a teleprompter? Nobody knows who's really pulling the shots. But we've said it here all along. It's always been about the Brookings Institution or the think tanks in Washington, or the Atlantic Council. It's always been about the husbands and wives. It's always been about the the uh, people you know in Washington. Fauci is a perfect example. His wife uh, is, connect- is married to a guy that's connected to the State Department. And his wife is a head of NIH Bioethics. And they met back in like 85 during USAID to Africa. Remember when Bono, and I've said this before, and I say these things not because they're they're out of touch or or meaningless today. No, I I was always up thinking that they were up to something. And I always, going all the way back to the 80s and the 90s, when you would have Bono, you know, looking like a diplomat, and you had basically W. Bush or Herbert Walker Bush back in the day being a real sellout. And getting, I remember I was in Philly when they gave a Freedom uh, Medal Award to Herbert Walker Bush, and Bono was the one that was on stage along with Clinton to give it to him. And I said, isn't that nice? And people would spin that as, 
Oh, look how bipartisan and how great that is. That's wonderful that we reach across the aisle and we throw away our differences and get along and advance the greater good. But really what it is, is it's just a globalist control of people using monies that don't belong to them. They're redistributing the wealth. They're taking money out of the middle class taxpayer dollar pocket and they're spending it on whatever they see fit, whatever they think is right. But most of these people are not duly elected. The people that are telling Biden what to say, they were never elected. They never ran a business. They scheme power. They're scheming power. They have unbridled power. And they get to play around like like it's a game board. And they're moving pieces around and they don't even know what they're talking about. You take McKenzie, the uh, general. We find out now that he was given some options. Taliban, you could take the Kabul and we'll take the airport. That didn't work. Could you imagine McKenzie, the top general in the army? Could you imagine them sitting down trying to... You wonder how they even bought a car. You know, I would love to be sitting down playing poker with these guys. They have an IQ of about two. I've always said that the best, uh, it was in the context of John Kerry and Wendy Sherman and the JCPOA or whatever deal that they were negotiating that was just ridiculously boneheadedly stupid. And I would say, I'd rather have a horse trader from Wyoming, a cattle rancher from Wyoming, to negotiate world peace or to negotiate an oil trade deal or to negotiate anything more than I would like to see John Kerry, who's never held a job in his life, who's only married one millionaire, only to divorce her for a billionaire in the Heinz fortune and act like some sort of a diplomat when, you know, the horses he chose were people like Kamala Harris. You know what they're saying now? Oh, and the reason why is because they don't know a good deal when they see it. That's why when Donald Trump says, walk away, just walk away from the table. And he did with the Abraham. And that's how he got the Abraham Accords. Donald Trump doesn't even talk about the strategies that he was doing. And these numbnuts in Washington don't understand them. They don't get it. And Trump's not going to say on microphone, well, I am walking away now and I will re- retreat until they offer me a better... He's not going to give his hand. He's not going to telegraph his move. But the way we got to the Abraham Accord, which was the normalization of... Uh, it, the normalized relation of... The normalization of relations between the Arab states and Israel... And they were falling like dominoes, one at a time. And if it would have just been that we had more time to let let that whole natural effect evolve. And it it was evolving based on natural principles of capitalism and money and smart business decisions. 
that people ultimately make. And it wasn't the government giving you a carrot and a stick. Like uh, de Blasio recently said, people respond to carrots and sticks. Yeah, but it's not de Blasio because you know what? You're in America. You have a constitution. You have the you have uh, inalienable rights to your religion, your God. You're entitled to your speech. You're entitled to your privacy. You're entitled to your right to bear arms. And the government doesn't have a place in your life unless it is to help protect it and to provide an infrastructure that makes things work better. And that's the only reason why I'm paying taxes to you. But of course, de Blasio lost that soul a thousand moons ago. He, he doesn't even know what that's about. But getting back to the horse traders and the deal makers and Donald Trump, he got the Abraham Accords because he, he did walk away from the table. He didn't announce it. But basically, just like with the race issues, what about Charlotte? Hey, you know, if white supremacists and Black Lives Matter people are fighting, I don't care whether one's a Black Lives Matter racist or whether one's a white supremacist racist. I don't really care. They're all racist. But who started the fight? Who punched first? Because that would really, really help me. Who who was the who was the organizer of the Charlotte uh, conflict that ended up with one person losing their life? Who was that person? Oh, that was a person that actually was a Obama supporter and got the certification for the space in Charlotte. And somehow they played it off like it was this white supremacy thing. All these years, and I'm... I'm in, I'm in the business, okay? I'm in the business. I don't know of a white supremacist group. I don't know of A1. I, don't, I think the KKK went out of business a long time ago. I know about Antifa. I know they have a website, Antifa.com, that used to go to JoeBiden.com. And Joe Biden was all okay with that. I know that there's a BlackLivesMatter.com website. And they have a donate button that goes to Act Blue, which donates 100% of their money to Joe Biden. And I know that Black Lives Matter is Marxist, racist, segregationist. And Antifa is not much better. They're the, they're the antithesis of uh, anti-fascism. They're fascists. They're basically fascists. They're anarchists that are just wreaking havoc wherever they can, whatever, wherever there's not a conflict, wherever people are just going to allow them to pound their, their soy boy chests and their soft skin with their soft fists and act like they're somehow righteous. And that's not much different than Tal- Taliban or ISIS. The difference is uh, in the same in the same way. I mean, these these militaries in the Middle East, these terrorist groups are not organized. You know how the heck are our top brass in the Pentagon getting getting outsmarted by a bunch of guys in flip flops, sandals, 
open toe shoes. I don't get it. I mean, stand around in these Stone Age, Stone Age rules and regulations. You know, they're like one step. There's Neanderthal, then there's the Taliban. I mean, you know, it took them a long time to read the first chapter on evolution, apparently. And somehow our top brass, all these fine Ivy League PhD top brass people at the Pentagon can't figure this out? Are you kidding me? All these people that say they're so smart, 17% of the, all 17 intelligence agencies, they, they, they bastardize the word intelligence. They would know what intelligence was if they hit them on a stick. And the State Department apparently doesn't know crap about diplomacy. They would know diplomacy if it hit them over the head with a baseball bat. They would know crap. And you get these people like Wendy Sherman that keep getting another shot at the ball. And it's always the liberals that are hiring them. So yeah, President Trump did walk away. When he said to the Taliban, he basically gave them, he treated them like an adult. And he said, hey, Taliban, not Taliban, Palestinians, I'm sorry. So he says to the Palestinians, he says, we're going to come to the table and we're going to have an agreement. These are the boundaries. They said, take your boundaries and shove it. And we said, okay, but can we take our like $500 million a year that we give you too and shove that with us? And we did. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And so we take our money and we run. And that's great. So we go. Palestinians are like, we're going to show them. We're going to try to, wait, we can't afford any more missiles. We can't hurt Israel. Indiscriminately. Uh, What are we going to do? Finally, even their partners, their friends, the Arabs, you know, states, the Gulf states, like Saudi Arabia, who's got a good deal going because they're going to have the balance of power and weaken Iran and and uh, Saudi Arabia is going to muscle up with some of the weapons we're helping them have. We would have never done, done business with the Saudi Arabia if it wasn't for the fact that the regime before Trump was giving $150 billion to Iran, debt to America, debt to Israel. See, it's all about Obama right now. His advisor, his national security advisor and his foreign policy advisor was Jake Sullivan, who's now the NSA for Joe Biden. Do you think that Joe Biden, does you think Jake Sullivan cares what Joe Biden thinks? No. He's given Joe Biden exactly what he thinks is right. And what he thinks is right is very much in line with what Obama thinks is right. They're two peas in a pod. But they're giving really crap advice. Because they're they're academics, they've never held a rifle. They've never uh, owned a business. They don't know what's going on. They just know what they read in the book at the Wilson Center in D.C. or or the, the George Washington University or Georgetown or some some whippersnapper Democrat ideological uh, indoctrinating school that those seem to be. Because everybody that comes out of them becomes some sort of a, a Washingtonian infiltrating policy and having an impact 
on elected officials, but they don't ever have to run for election themselves. We don't really know who the real masterminds are, the puppet masters, but I have a good idea of what it is. So Jake Sullivan's reversed everything that Trump did. We had Kosovo and Bosnia and, and Serbia uh, all coming to the table, the Muslim or orientations, because uh, there's they're mixed, but the Muslim component uh, areas of the, those countries were starting to normalize relations with Israel. Donald Trump, people forget, Donald Trump actually received four Nobel Peace Prize nominations for what he did in North Korea and for what he did with the uh, with the Abraham Accords and for what he did with Bosnia and uh, um, Bosnia and Kosovo and Slovenia Slovenia too I believe but um, in any case those things that he was doing came about because of his hard stance with the Palestinians, with his taking out of Soleimani, with his pulling out of the JCPOA, with his bringing financial pressure to bear on Iran and on the Palestinians themselves. Basically, Iran is to Hezbollah what Palestinians are to Hamas. They all hang out up in Lebanon. And how he supported this, the restabilization of Egypt with al-Sisi. See, I mean, Obama did all the, the worst things. He did. He overthrew Gaddafi. He overthrew Mubarak. Tried to install Muslim Brotherhood, Morsi, in Egypt. Tried to destabilize that. Set up a refugee resettlement system for Syria because they were never intending to take Syria over or overthrow Assad. That was never going to happen because Russia always had that long-term relationship we talk about. Since the 70s, the Assad family has been the kingdom uh, of Assad, and Russia has been in bed with that kingdom. They set up their largest naval base outside of Russia called Targus, and they just signed a new 50-year lease in the last seven or eight years. So they were never going to go anywhere. So what was Lindsey Graham talking about? What was John McCain, when he was alive, talking about? What were they all talking about? They were all talking about black, black market uh, military-industrial complex deals. That's what they were talking about. That's what was going on. These globalists think they're so smart. And people in the media let them get away with it because they treat them like they're smart. These warlords, you know what? These people that are at the top of their of their countries, they get the limousines and the red carpet treatment. And they hang out at places like the Waldorf Astoria when they come to the UN. And they go to the fanciest restaurants. They don't have to pay their traffic tickets. They get treated like they're royalty. Half these people are dumb as rocks. They have no business. They got three wives. They got two escorts. $1,000 a night. Just to feel important. And whose money are they spending every single day of the week? Yours, mine. Because it's our dollars. People like Barack Hussein Obama would spend on the UN. When, when Obama was exiting stage left, far left, he gave uh, the United Nations $9.6 billion. Trump, on the other hand, wanted to pull out of that 
uh, uh, poor excuse for a peacekeeping uh, entity. The United Nations, not much different than the ACLU. The ACLU is fighting for vaccine passports. They're fighting for mandates. Kind of like Mitt Romney. It reminds me of Mitt Romney. You know what Mitt Romney said? It actually made me angry. I wanted to use the I'm peed off word, but it's a family show. But here's the thing. Mitt Romney. <laughs> the Salt Lake Tribune, the headline goes, Mitt Romney to the unvaccinated. Your liberties affect my health. Your liberty affects my health. That's exactly the way he said it. To quote. Mitt Romney, your liberty affects my health. Can you believe he said that? I know. It was a rhetorical question. I'm just having a little fun in the sun. No, I'm not in the sun. Utah Senator would implement vaccine mandate if still in private business. He also wants Democrats to raise debt limit. That's one of our Republican stalwarts. That's one of the big Republican leaders. Remember, it was uh, Ronna McDaniel that, ah, you can't get, well, actually, Ronna McDaniel's related to the guy, right? I mean, he's a niece. She runs the whole Republican Party. Are you kidding me? Running the whole Republican Party. How in the world have we set ourselves up like this? And why do we keep doing it to ourselves? Some of the leaders I see at the top of the Republican food chain, if you only knew who they were in private, behind closed doors, like I've seen in my life, and I know with my own two eyes, I see the hypocrisy. And it's such a small world and small town, and burning bridges is bad for business. I can't say much. I can't. You'd all hate me probably because I wouldn't really know how to tell the story in a way that could get you to believe me. I only ask that you do because I have nothing to gain by telling you my truth or the truth I know to be the truth, which is always going to be my truth. But I only can tell you that. and I'm fearless. I could care less. You know, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this because I am so sick and tired of the deception, the hypocrisy. I am so tired of this crap. You can't even imagine. And people write in and they say, I love the way Scott Adams is so tempered and, you know, calm. And uh, believe me, you know, I spend 10 hours a day researching this stuff and it frustrates me to no end. I wish I had a megaphone that was 18 times bigger. I wish I could make a bigger difference in the world. I make the difference I can. So Mitt Romney to the unvaccinated, your liberty affects my health. I thought, wow, that is a brilliant question. That, well, that opens up a brilliant question. By a madman, nevertheless. I mean, Mitt Romney, let's face it, he's nuts, right? 
But I said this to response to that. Mitten, I call them mittens. Mittens, your liberty affects my health, begs the question, center to the great divide on the issue. So it begs the question uh, at the center of this great divide that's going on in our country. I said, what is, let's ask some questions. What is the liberty, what is the value of liberty? Then ask the question, what is the value of health? Because we're so often, we say, all the money in the world is not worth a hill of beans if you don't have your health. And I say, well, that's pretty, that's right. I, you know, what is that hierarchy? People say, what are the most important things? My God, my family, you know, um, my health. And then money. And I don't know. Somehow, those get shuffled in all kinds of different orders. I think by everybody, depending on where they are in their life. If they're good with God and, they're, and they just got a physical and their health is great, maybe it's money that they need to focus on. So I think that does shuffle around. And it's different strokes for different folks. So when Mitt Romney said to the unvaccinated, your liberty affects my health, my response was, Mittens, your liberty affects my health statement, begs the question centered to the great divide on the issue. What is the value of liberty? What is the value of health? At what point do we choose to die for our freedoms as so many have before us? Most importantly, it's an issue of trust. And they lied. And that's the issue. See, Mitt Romney's statement, it's sort of like akin to the argument of crying fire in a, in a, in a uh, theater. Because if you create a stampede based on a false alarm and people get trampled to death, the blood is on your hands. You just created a hoax. You basically said, fire in a theater. People ran for the doors and some people lost their lives because they got trampled on and they were stepped on and they got crushed. Panic ensued. Evacuate! So I understand that old law. That's very old law. And uh, so that's how they're advancing this ball. You have to understand. They're using that. And so what they're saying is we're going to build a social credit scoring system. Aha! We're going to bill it in the name of health. Your safety and ours. And how are we going to sell it if they don't want it? We're going to mandate it. How are we going to mandate it? Because health concerns represent a state of emergency and they're not bound by the same principles of the Constitution as anything else. As everything else. And that that that's half true depending on how you spin it twist it and if you have censorship like the big tech has gotten involved with then yeah that that's there, there you go that's the motivation for the censorship <laughs> it's so easy isn't it when you think about it to figure this out easy peasy so here we go see Mitt Romney's argument makes sense if everybody was above board. 
But when the same people that are pushing the vaccines are getting rich from the vaccine manufacturers' stocks, or when you got Fauci and Fauci's wife and Fauci's wife, uh, Fauci's wife's sister uh, and wife's husband, um, then you know you got basically all of this um, playing out to where the, you got just these key people that are involved, like Dayzak, uh, Collins, Fauci. They're all part of every panel. They're all controlling every narrative. That's just not the way it works. And anytime you have an independent thinker, maybe they're from a conservative think tank, and they look at things from maybe a conservative lens with a different approach, then you got something else going on. They're censored. They're silenced. So why is it always the same people that were pushing climate change to control populations and regulate society, the same people that were trying to control you through climate and basically saying, well, you know, your, 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 your decision is going to enable uh, us all to die. Don't you care about everybody? And they were doing the same play. Climate change was the preliminary. It was the predecessor to the COVID strategy. But they're from the same playbook. Just like I've always said, Watergate was the same playbook as the Russian hoax. Nobody really committed, nobody that was being charged with impeachment or asked to leave office, those two Republican presidents, Nixon and Trump, did anything, nor knew anything about it. It was the Democrats, I think, that financed Watergate. Hence the plumbers being socialists, communists, Cubans, whatever. And hence the Russian all being connected with the Democrat Party. And, you know, Christopher Steele, uh, the dossier, uh, Hillary Clinton's money, Perkins Coey, you know, you just look at the players and uh, you can see that all of them, you know, Greg, Greg Simpson, all those people that were involved, you know, uh, Mrs., Mr. and Mrs. Orr, Bruce Orr and Nellie Orr, all those people, James Comey, McCabe, uh, Strzok, Lisa Page, all those people, radical liberals. There's not one Republican involved with that whole nest egg of corruption that was involved in the Russian hoax. It was all liberals. And we're supposed to just like, okay, we'll just believe you. Never, never mind, you know, we'll just, we trust you. So it's always an issue of trust in whether they're lying to you. And so they dust off these playbooks. Like I said, where Watergate was to Russian hoax, they're, they're tra- the playbook there was they were trying to get the cover-up. They, they were trying to get the contemporary crime committed by the president himself. And I loved it when President Trump would respond to reporters and say, and you know why he said it. He, he knew what the game was. And he said, one thing I learned about Watergate, he said, is the cover-up was worse than the crime. We've heard that a thousand times. He said, so I just choose not to get involved. 
because if I don't get involved, I didn't do anything. So what, you know, they're not going to find anything. So why get involved? And the Democrat, you know, people that were scheming this are like, oh, I'm so upset. Trump's not biting on the hook. It's a bad fishing day because Trump was not taking the bait. Why? Because Trump was too smart. Why? Because he didn't grow up in D.C. like these little silver spoon whippersnappers that are all academic. They think that their academic theories are going to work against a street smart, street wise businessman that's been around the block like 18,000 times, like Donald Trump. Donald Trump eats our lunch. Anyway, the same thing is true with the, uh, the climate change and the, uh, and the COVID. It's the same control tactic. Only COVID is a dream for them. It was too high risk, but once they started escalate, once they pushed it, well, okay, that's the wave. That's the wave we have to ride, and we're going to ride that wave. And they, in the beginning, couldn't even get their ducks in the order. If you go back and you uh, listen to what the Blasio said about saying, this is nothing, we're going to go out and we're going to go to the theaters and we're going to, New York is still alive, blah, blah, blah. And then like two weeks later, he changed his tune. He got the memo. Must have come by snail mail. They were probably using the same postal workers that work at my P.O. box where I get mail every 30 days. It's crazy. Bunch of buffoons down there. Um, but in any case, so they're pushing this COVID. The COVID. And you talk about ivermectin and you talk about hydro- hydroxychloroquine. You talk about Regeneron, Right? And there's these studies that are coming out that say people who have already gotten the virus do a lot better than people who never got the virus but are on a vaccine. And almost like eight to one or something like that. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. So I'm like, why hasn't people looked into the herd immunity? It was always pushed aside because how much money are people going to make on herd immunity? How much money is Fauci and his cronies going to make on herd immunity? Zero. How much money is Fauci going to make on ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? Because they were out of patent, meaning that anybody could make ivermectin and anybody could make uh, hydroxychloroquine, any manufacturer like in India or anywhere. And of course... So no money involved, so why, why do it? Then there's this other part where, you know, it's not even a vaccine that you're putting in your arm. It's, a, it's an RNA, mRNA. Basically, an mRNA takes your DNA, and it's a messenger delivery system. So you have a DNA, which is the makeup of you. And then you have the mRNA, uh, which is a messenger that instructs your body to behave a certain way and do certain things. And the RNA, once you put it in your body, it changes your your messaging stru- instructions to your body fundamentally for the rest of your life. And... And there seems to be a lot of ailments to it. There seems to be a lot of um, side effects. There seems to be a lot of 
associated problems, but more importantly, it's the efficacy. If the efficacy is not that great, then why do it? The other pro- problem is if ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine worked, then why do you need a vaccine? So everything that was going to jeopardize the mission, the goal of vaccine mandates, which is ultimately where they wanted to take this and where we are right now. And so the reason why, even if you were or are in a situation where you are getting back, you have to get vaccinated or you're going to lose your job. I, th- I think I just read um, so many hospital clerks are leaving. So many people are leaving. Uh, there are law enforcements that are leaving. Fire departments are leaving because of these vaccine passport mandates, meaning you must get a vaccine or you lose your job. And I think it's horrible what's going on there that we're allowing this to happen in our country because it's unconstitutional. But they're using what Mitt Romney's talking about, what we were talking about there. This whole thing, Mitt Romney said to the unvaccinated, your liberty affects my health. But when they're pushing health based on a pack of lies and censorship, untruths, and by the same types of people that are supporting globalism, then there's an issue of trust. So I would agree that if I trusted the messenger for the uh, vaccination and things like that, I would be more likely to comply for the uh, good of all man, right? Safety. And I wish they would do this. I wish they would say, we are never going to have a social credit scoring system. And I wish they would also say that the vaccine passport is only to track or this or that for X amount of time. Meaning, after uh, there would be a moratorium after, uh, say, uh, Memorial Day 2022, uh, there will be no, it will be outlawed. You will not be allowed to be tracked in any way, shape, or form. And those systems will be put to sleep. I would agree, maybe. Maybe I would agree. You know, just like we were willing to give up our rights for 15 days to slow the curve, we, we, we say, okay, that's fair. America is fair. We're fair people. But when you don't trust the messenger, now they're trying to exploit this. And we see them doing it. It's not just a matter of one thing or the other. We see them doing it. Um, so I have a video clip that I, I just fell in love with, uh, I saw over the weekend. And I'm going to play, now it's a 16-minute video. I posted it on my Twitter. I I wanted to play, this is the recap. Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and play this. Let's take a listen. It's just like a minute. Here's what we know. The COVID vaccine is not a vaccine. It's an experimental mRNA injection that hacks your cells and instructs your body to make parts of the COVID-19 virus. It was rushed through clinical trials, 
skipped proper safety testing, and is already causing a long list of side effects. People are already getting sick and dying from it. The injection was not proven to stop people from contracting COVID, transmitting the virus, or from getting very sick. A complete list of ingredients is unknown because the drug company doesn't have to tell us what's in their syringe. Drug companies sprint it to Congress so they can't be held responsible for when people get sick or die from their so-called vaccine. Ironically, there is immunity. The injection makers are 100% immune from accountability. Safe, effective, and proven therapies for COVID exist and are being ignored and censored. And the number of COVID cases and death counts are wildly exaggerated because the tests on which they are based are useless. The truth is, none of us really know. Why the lockdown? Why the inaccurate PCR testing? Why inflate COVID case and death counts? What's with the rampant censorship? What is the real agenda here? We don't even know what's in those syringes and what will happen to you once the experimental injection gets inside your body. No one knows. But what we do know is that once it's in there, you can't get it out. Don't be bullied into taking a shot that you can never undo. If you want to learn more, go to our resource page and remember, it's your body and your life. You get to decide. And that's uh, that's the quick of it. That was preceded by, four, I think, about 14 minutes of just a really great, <clears throat> um, almost like a primer, you know, like for something a kid could understand. And I love it because I love I love stuff like that. Sometimes I need just the basics to give me crystallized understanding of what it is. I can peel the onion later, but to know it, to put it together, and to see, because you know it's like um, sometimes uh, you can't always figure out the crime, or until you see the whole conspiracy. I always tell that little story about JFK's assassination. I say, you know, it's one thing if you just, you know, did an interview and one Secret Service service guy said, we decided to take the roof off, the top off the car uh, because the weather broke. It was going to be rain on, you know, on the uh, Delhi Plaza. But instead, it it was sunny. Okay, that's um, that's that's harmless. Right. And you say, um, yeah, well, it was hot up there in the book depository and we left those windows open. Uh, and so we weren't really paying close attention to that. Yeah, we decided at the last minute to take a slow turn on Elm Street um, because there was something going on with the other road and more people were lined up over here. So we were trying to be gracious. And you can take all those little bits and pieces. And then when you put them together and you take a step back and you look at the dots on the map and you say, hmm, I wonder if those three dots communicated with each other in some way. And you find out that they did and that somehow they were coordinated. And next thing you know, you got a conspiracy on your hands. And that's how you form conspiracies. And that's how you get to the bottom of intent. Intent. It's what it's all about. It wasn't an accident. Turns out it's not an accident. That all three of those things didn't just happen independently of each other at the same time. 
And so when you take a look back and you look at all the different things that are going on, and they all seem to favor one thing. You know, the media always leans to the left. And the WHO seems to lean to the left. And the CDC leans to the left. And then you find out, oh, 98% donate of CDC workers who donated to campaigns went to Democrats. It's like, whoa, that's not good. Can we get some republic? you know, can we get some panels? They tried to do that with um, the FCC, where they tried to get a, uh, you know, three Republicans, three Democrats, or whatever it was, however that makeup is. But they always try to keep it sort of balanced. And I think we need to do that with our health. And I, because, <clears throat> and you say, well, why in the world would you have a conservative Supreme Court uh, panel, you know, or a discussion panel? Shouldn't the Supreme Court be politically apolitical, politically neutral? And the same thing is true with the health. And we see how ugly it can get, how we can get the two standards of justice, two standards of criminology, two standards of investigations, two standards uh, of incarceration. We look at J6. We look at Roger Stone's house being broken into. We look at uh, Paul Manafort, him getting broken into. You know, we look at the uh, email gate, Hillary Clinton getting away with things. We look at the two standards of justice, and what we see is a strong similarity to what Hitler got away with. Hitler had two standards of justice, too. A lot of things he was proposing after he took power didn't make much sense when it came to equality, equal justice, and jurisprudence. And we're seeing the same thing with the election fraud. The judges don't want a part of it. They could save our country, and they choose not to. You know, if I was in power with the judges, I would straighten that stuff up I w- a long time ago. 20, 30 years ago, I would have ended any concept that voter ID is suppressing votes. I would have ended that nonsense right there. But as soon as you give someone like a Stacey Abrams an inch, they're going to take a foot and a mile. They're going to do it. They're going to exploit every opportunity. Just like Rahm Emanuel said, don't let any crisis go to waste. Part of this chaos, this scramble, this COVID. And here we are, picking up the pieces. And there's a, there is the left, one step closer to something that they want for God knows what reason. I don't know why they want to control people's lives like they do. It doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even think like that. Go about your business, son. I don't care what you do. Just, you know, you do your thing and I'll do mine. As long as we're good with that, I think everything is good. And that's the Republican way. So, you know... A lot of people question about, well, Trump keeps pushing these vaccine pass, uh, vaccines, but Trump is not endorsing the passports, number one. And number two, he always acknowledges the rights of free Americans to exercise their rights 
and choose what they choose to put in their body. I believe that there might be a religious component to this as well that we can exploit in order to slow down the oppressors. And that's something that I think is absolutely important. And we, I, I think it's worth looking into. Religious freedoms uh, are coming into play in this argument. And I, I, think, I think we need to do that. So I want to get to that if I can. I'm not sure if I can find everything I, I was putting into play here. But I want to take a listen to... Um, um, let's see. Oh, these were Afghanistan clips. I, I missed them. Um, in any case, there is this uh, excerpt about religious freedom. And I think that's going to come up because a lot of this stuff that's in these uh, vaccines are going to prove to be problematic. That You know, people have a right to, to choose what they put in their body. And I can't find, well, can't find what I was looking for. But uh, we've all heard about this uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Uh, remarkable video here where we're going to take a listen to this. This gets back to Afghanistan a little bit. Oh, by the way, something else happened over the weekend. Sirhan Sirhan uh, is up for, uh, he's the guy that assassinated uh, Robert Kennedy. Uh, is up for parole again, and he was granted a recommendation to be paroled. And, uh, you know, he was a Palestinian. He was not much different than, say, an Ilhan Omar. Uh, he hated the fact that that um, Israel was being fin- funded and financed and that people in America were... Uh, denouncing the Palestinians and their behavior. They were acting like terrorists, behaving like terrorists. And Israel was acting like a democratic society. And he, it's amazing when you hear the story, though, how by chance it was that he was out at a gun range at uh, all day shooting this gun. I think he was practicing. I think he was lying when he said that. He was just there to do that. And then he randomly shows up at this event looking for something to do with a gun. You're supposed to believe this story. It's cockamamie. When you listen to him tell it, though, you're like willing to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. But frankly, I think he's a compulsive liar. And uh, I don't think he should get... My first reaction was, okay, it's enough time. And how much will we learn from this? But then when I studied it and I went back and I looked at a lot of different interviews that he gave, I said, no, I don't think this person is remorseful. Um, And so that's my take on Sirhan Sirhan. I want to take a listen to to this uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. I'll tell you at the end, after we listen to this, where he went wrong. But I agree with 100% of what he said. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down, and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the 
Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the Kamat is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, wondering if it, all the lives were lost and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last I don't know, 20 years. And he goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be you know, good link, something like that. And what I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. So he did, and he resigned uh, because he was asked to resign. If he, I think it's terrible because if he lasted till 20 years, he would have had about $2 million worth of free health care and pension. And he asked for donations for his wife. I imagine his wife is probably upset about that decision that he made, but let's hope that this guy lands on his feet and starts a coalition that can make a difference. Because I will tell you this about this guy. Um, where he went wrong is demanding, uh, throwing that ultimatum out at the end. But I like it. I mean, I don't disagree with it at all. But I think he could have gotten a lawyer to protect him a little bit better and give him better leverage uh, in the way he worded some of those things because there's a chain of command in the Marines. But the issue is is that this guy in his next video clip or audio clip that uh, said he resigned says we are going to take this fight and we are going to expose the crap that's going on in the military. And I hope he does. And if he does... I think we'll make that $2 million back and then some. So, hey, we're at the end of the show. Um, uh, my name's Scott Adams. Thank you all for listening to The Scott Adams Show. We'll see you next time on the radio. Just Goodbye, to bury my kids right up to there.